millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How are you all this evening? Moist? We have a 99% female audience. We'll, we'll, we can all share our moon cups together. Won't it be marvelous? Quick rinse in the sink. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But seriously, has anyone managed to use one correctly? You have. Right, me and you need to have a moment in the bathroom later on. You got me, it's the folding thing. There's a technique you're telling me. <laughs> Sorry, Cass. Uh, you're here at the creep dive. We're gonna start, Sophie can come in later. She tells me she's dressed appropriately. Like a Dracula, Dracula's mistress. That's enough. Cassie, how are you? Jen, I'm good, yeah, how are you? Any news at all? <laughs> it's what the people want. It is. <laughs> yeah. Today, we'll be creeping. What do we you have? I have a fantastic story that's actually really long in case Sophie didn't turn up at all. <laughs> and it's 45 minutes solo. <laughs> uh, get comfortable, guys. Um, I have a brilliant story. Here's a question for you, right? If you were involuntarily committed to an asylum... Involuntarily? I mean, I think most... Of, I think it would be involuntary. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think it's mostly involuntary. But... What would you do to get yourself out? Well, pretend to be sane. <laughs> That's do you the think whole... it's that easy, though? No. Well, tonight I have a story for you that proves that it's the more sane you pretend to be, the harder it is to get out. Is this the psychopath test story? No. Did you read that at all? No. Ron Johnson? No. I've got the name wrong. John, John Ronson. <laughs> Thank you. Close, but no cigar. Very close. What have you got? I have a non-frightening story, but it is the most mental, I can't believe this has not been made into a film story of all time. Maybe it has. It might have. 
No, no, it definitely hasn't because under the many comments of many YouTube videos I watched about it, that was the highest rated comment. How is this not a film? It is set in 1904 and it's the most mental marathon ever run. Oh. There are so many things that happen and so many names, right? So many names, I'll do my best to read off this, but when things go awry, Cassie, I'm relying on you to remember who's who and what position they're currently in. As we know, I am the best at pronunciation and remembering things, this so that is not a problem. Set in America, my friend, no pronunciation required. <laughs> you would think. You would think, yeah. But, so what do we want to do here? Which we want to kick off? Let's give, well, let's give the people a choice. Let's, let's, no, I think. All right, hang on. Sophie says she's eight minutes away, but like, mm, that's a Sophie wide eight minutes, so we'll see her tomorrow. <laughs> okay, do you want me to, to, to tickle uh, will your I, fancy? Would I take you into, you take I'll me. take you into Nellie Bly, because Nellie Bly, because Nellie Bly is her name. Nellie Bly. Yeah, so right, to give a little bit of context. I Go on. I feel safer when I'm closer to close to me. It's actually yeah. No, everyone closer. Well, no, it's actually no. Wait, COVID. It's very intimidating, really. Um, and there's something worse about these weird school benches. Like I feel like it's because I am no back. one's looking at us. They're looking at each these other. These were the benches I had in secondary school, and I'm like, oh, I've made it. We used to sit on these benches, telling each other we were had contracted pregnancy from them. You didn't, did you go to a mixed school at all? Yeah. Did you not hear the cum on the toilet seat stuff? No. How? What? Apparently, the people in our we school... We had very different childhoods, you see. I think that, like, you were definitely in the kind of outgoing, uh, no. quasi-popular... No. No? You're I think you'll find you're wrong. Like, I was a prefect. You were a prefect. Yeah. You, okay. Yes. No. No pregnancy for me. For but many reasons. There, there was literal cum on our toilet seats. Uh, literal. No. no. It was like did a game. Not, but did you not? I wasn't able to play. We were just victims, hapless moon cup victims. There was no moon cups then. Just a belt. We should put Sophie in the bold corner when she arrives in. She has to sit over there. It's a bold corner. Okay, Cassie, sorry. I'll stop interrupting. All right, I'm going to tell yeah. you about Nellie Bly. I love this story. I'm actually finding like really good stories. If I do say so myself. Um, really interesting stories. Like for the last live, when we got to tell the story of the women who killed their husbands, all of them just like totally oh. didn't give a shit that they were caught. Loved them. And I love this woman. Um, so Nellie Bly was a journalist in New York in 1887. Love that uh, time. No sanitary do. stuff whatsoever. No, like piss on the streets kind of no stuff. No piss in your skirts. No, it no, was just literal just a wonderful, piss. wonderful time. Yes, yeah. Very smelly time. Cholera. I think you would you would have thrived <laughs> in that time. That's a real paper mache and cum time. So it I is. To bring cum up again. <laughs> you love cum. I remember we were in the studio, sorry. I just, I meant that as it always gets a bad reaction from you. There's no come on me. Do you, yeah, yes. Yeah, never know, bag full of cum over there. The night is young, Dino. <laughs> One, sorry, now we're gonna have to milk you later. And the milking will begin at exactly 9.15. 
It's fine, we've got many moon cups. We can gather it in moon cups and do a seance. Yeah, everyone's very eager for that, like. It's weird. Many women. Where are all the lesbians tonight? I'm usually in a safe environment. Anyway, um, okay, let's go back to Nellie Bly, right? Assuming that people came here for a story and not to hear you ripping it out of me about um, inappropriate, disgusting things. Fine. Uh, Nellie Bly was not her real name. Her real name was Elizabeth, Elizabeth Cochran or something. And like all good Americans, she was actually Irish. So she was from, uh, they, her family had gone over to the States and something, something, maybe a famine, famine ship, don't know. Anyway, but she's, she's brilliant. And we've got like that like touch point to her, which is why I love her even more. So she was real determined and uh, she, she went to college, trained as a journalist and came out and started being put on the papers and being expected to cover women's fashion and all that kind of stuff and she was like no fuck this it's not for me don't want to do this she decided that she would instead rock up to the offices of joseph pulitzer and suggest a story of getting pulitzer prize i think so it didn't go that far must be it must be must be i mean it's too much of a coincidence pulitzer newspapers big man (laughs) successful man um so she decided that she would go and get herself Pregnant. Sorry. I just she was a career lady. You can't leave me a gap and expect me not she to fill would, it. I, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a gap. I was continuing the sentence. It's called pacing, Jen. Um, she would get herself committed into an asylum and behind the scenes she would write a story about life inside the asylum and kind of like the, the procedures you have to go through to get committed and what it's like in there. And it was absolutely incredible. It was a huge story. And she ended up writing this incredible book called 10 Days in the Madhouse. And I had very little to today, but read 10 Days Days in in the the Madhouse. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how she got in in there. Uh, So first of all, her plan was threefold. She had to get herself committed. So like raise enough concern that people were going to call... The, the police on her. Yes. Uh, and that there were enough people around her. Then she'd get past the doctors, convincing them that she was insane. How hard can this be? Well, as it turns out, not very hard if you're a woman to convince people that you're insane. It's much harder to convince them you're not insane. I see. So the first thing she did, she went to this kind of boarding house for women, uh, a temporary housing thing. She rocked up there with 70 cents in her pocket, 70 pence, and uh, asked the matron, could she stay? And the matron was like, yeah, it's 30, 30 pence a night or whatever, come on in. And all she did was uh, not sleep. She, ah. just, she just like refused to go to sleep. She said that the other women in the house looked crazy and she didn't want to go to sleep. And within 24 hours, they were like, this woman is insane. So... Um, they asked her, had she worked? Was she in New York looking for work? And she kind of, she had this story of like knowing her name. She was calling herself Nellie Brown and that she um, couldn't remember where she'd come from or how she'd gotten to New York. And then she did very like innocent things. You know, when, when men asked her and the doctors asked her questions, she just challenged them. But a lot of the stuff she said was true. She just did it in a way that was very interesting, right? So she writes about kind of her first uh foray into into the challenge 
Um, and she writes about when she went to the world paper asking them could she go to the asylum. So um, her plan was to go and write an unvarnished narrative of the treatment of the patients therein and write the methods of management. Did I have the courage to go through with such an ordeal as, a mission, as the mission would demand? Could I assume the characteristics of insanity to such a degree that I could pass the doctors, live for a week among the insane without the authorities there finding out that I was only a child among them? I said I believed I could. I had some faith in my own ability as an actress and thought I could assume insanity long enough to accomplish any mission. Could I pass a week in the insane ward at Blackwell's Island? I said I could, I would, and I did. Never been kissed. It's it's True, a very really more. really good book. It's only like it's only like ninety pages. Really good read. Ninety? Is that a book? I feel like I could write that. <laughs> I feel if we just transcribed some of your rantings, we'd have a book for sure. We'd have an ode, <laughs> Ulysses. <laughs> Jane's you or Jens? Who Ulysses. am I? Je did you get Jen. my name wrong? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. It's only, it's only been a while. We haven't known each other that long. Um, so she did get to the asylum. But basically, first of all, she got into the, the boarding house, convinced them that she, the other women were crazy. So the police were called, they turned up, and they took her to Bellevue um, Hospital for a, a kind of examination to see what the story was with her and what else. And when she got there, she... Um, Basically, they were like, where are you from? And they were like, that woman is Southern. She's a Southern accent. And then some doctor was like, no, she's from Cuba. And she was like, yeah. Cuba it is. Cuba. I'm from Cuba. And they were like, how did you get to New York? Or, you know, how did you just arrive in New York? What's the story? And she was like, I didn't just get to New York. Um, which was true. But uh, she, she just answered... Very benign questions. Yeah. But this is the thing, right? The, the questions that they were asking her were like super, super fucking simple. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Let's see the Welcome. appropriate dress. Please disrobe. I see some netting. Arriving late and showing us up. Come on. How are you, Sophie? She's great, she says. Take your breath. We're, we're your talking microphone. about Nellie Bilal. Nellie Bly. Quick catch up. Uh, woman pretends to be insane. Amazing. Succeeds. <laughs> Very easily, right? Um, so when she's in Bellevue Hospital, she, uh, she is just answering these really benign questions from the doctors, right? One of the interesting things, sorry, before that, <laughs> was when she was, when she was talking to her editor, and they were like, okay, this is a really big mission. How are you going to get out of Blackwell? And she said, how will you get me out after I once get in? And he said, I do not know. <laughs> Impossible. Again, okay. Ron Johnson. John Ronson? John Ronson. John Ronson. Did this exact story. You remember it? Yeah. The psychopath oh, test. Yes, 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 yes. Man so. has trouble getting out of... Tony. Out of getting Tony. Broadmoor. Yes. I just feel like I'm not at the same party Tony. as Come everyone on. else. Like, fuck you guys. Get in. Yes. Yeah, we put you in the bold <laughs> corner over there. We just moved close together. Okay, so now she couldn't get out. 
She was so too she, convincing. So no, she's in, she basically there's three stages to what she's doing. She's a journalist, she's working for Joseph Pulitzer, she's cr- trying to get herself committed to Blackwell Institution on an island. Excellent. And she's trying to prove how, I don't know what she's really trying to prove, whether it's easy <laughs> or to get in and harder to get out or whatever. Yeah. She's trying way, to expose the treatment of the patients. patients. Yeah, because yeah. you know, remember this massive experiment that they did across the States in like the 40s, I think, where they got loads of uh, psychiatrists to pretend to be mentally ill and present themselves at uh, psychiatric facilities around America. And, and they all got... Succeeded. <laughs> they couldn't get back out. That's exactly. It. And everything they said only confirmed how insane they were. Which this is, is it. As a person who's also been committed, is like, it is so frustrating. The minute Let you start you. saying you're sane, they're like, you're having you're really delusions. Not, that's yeah. very much You're at your most person. unwell right now, Sophie. <laughs> and I'm um, like, no, I always sucked my thumb. And then they start... <laughs> Just seeing the worst in you. Um, so she's she's in the hospital now, getting like assessed. And at the moment, she's telling people that she can't remember how she got to New York. So like part of her kind of um, thing is that she's just she just has a, like a bad memory. I would be committed, like forgetful. But she's just forgetful. Mm. So. Um, one of the interesting things is when she gets to Bellevue, there's three other patients, three other women. One she strikes up a conversation with and is like, uh, what are you doing here? And she's like, I've just had a bad spell of health and my friends have put me here uh, to help me, you know, to help me recover. Uh, I've been a little bit forgetful and I've had a really bad headache since I've been unwell, yeah. right? There's another German woman. I love woman. the euphemisms people come up with. No, this is her own words. She's like, I've had a bad headache. No, they're in just a normal hospital. Okay, just like okay. looking for general medical assistance, just like any form of medical assistance, aspirin, like anything at all whatsoever. Then there's another German woman whose son brings her in who can't speak a word of English and they at no point get a translator. So no one knows what's wrong with her. She's just, she's just sitting there. Apparently she's very handy on a sewing machine though. So she gets put into a corner sewing away. And then there's another woman who does seem to be unwell. But Nelly... <laughs> we'll just glaze right over her. I mean, she doesn't go into it. I she's feel like, like oh, this no, is wasn't. the origin um, story of Bewitched. Yeah. So <laughs> they got together. Uh, so she's talking to, she's talking to this, um, this first woman that she kind of strikes up a friendship with. And she's like, is there anything wrong with you mentally? And she's like, no, the doctors have been asking me many curious questions and confusing me as much as possible, but I have nothing wrong with my brain. Um, so from the get-go in the hospital, in the normal everyday hospital, she's like, none of these people are insane. Like, these people are no. grand, normal women who are just sort of kind of tired. Yes. Um, like Relatable. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, they're just, they've just... A lot of they've, they've had enough. Had enough, yeah. and they're not basically. The, it seems like the grounds for insanity were that they were just not participating. <laughs> like they just weren't. They were just fed up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a third patient wouldn't say much. She was just very quiet uh, and absolutely grand, right? So. At this point, Nellie writes, I began to have a small regard for the ability of doctors than I'd ever had before, and a greater one for myself. I felt sure now that no doctor could tell whether people were insane or not, as long as the case wasn't violent. So, you know, they did have a wing for people who were very violent that they were kind of treating, but like for everyone else, the minute you showed up, they were like, Madness. You're insane, you're insane, you're insane, you're insane. Everyone off to the island, right? Um, but the problem, the I feel problem, like we all the, could have had the best time. The crux, yeah. yeah. 
like if you was if, there men here by the way and we're gonna milk one rid of them or what happened you find what oh, oh there's there another one over there you're milking Gigi's up and up oh welcome Leave now. If you want to stand up and just quietly walk out, that is fine. We won't point I just anything. never we looked out at such a bad heavy audience. We did like 20 minutes on cum. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, was really, it was really enjoyable. We I've did. had a drink. <laughs> what, is that cum thing not true? Well, no, it is. It is important. Uh, we talked about it. We talked about our likes, our dislikes. Uh, we got very intimate with the audience before you arrived. But, um, I was only eight minutes late. No, we started Credible. at half seven. What? We started at half seven. We just that, you're a fucker. I, I checked. I emailed someone and said we're good for half eight, yeah. We just did an hour and a half of pure sex talk before you arrived. My favourite. Um, yeah, it's our new podcast, Creeps We Fucked. God. <laughs> Roll on I just three think people. It's just something in it. <laughs> line up, line up. <laughs> Would we even get in the double digits? No. The three of us. No, I doubt it. I know, I'm young I'm sorry. and liberal. <laughs> Especially with my new and pegging afraid of people. Um, okay. Can we go back to the yes. creeping? Nobody like, asked. Let's the question not, nobody asked. We're not talking about um, come for the rest of the evening. So if you have anything else that you would like to say uh -oh. publicly no. about ejaculation, now is the time to do it. Or I save it for Mother of Pod, the podcast <laughs> we have given you to talk specifically about... Procreation. I have bad Give news. Us Nelly. Give I us have that. Satanists. Oh yeah. They come. Oh. Satanists come. They come a lot. They're coming tonight. They come hard. They come on you. I know them well. I've read many books of people being Satanists and converting to born again Christians. It was a great genre for a while there in my life. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's a great read. Oh my God! There's actually okay. Yeah, I won't get into it. There's the best one of those about the guy. Nikki Cruz. With, yeah, know. with the pants. What pants? Okay, never mind. You'd know if you knew. Segway. <laughs> okay. I, I may have read them. I probably watched their TED Talks. Praise Jesus and all that. But back to the insane. Um, so, Nelly is starting to go. They're like, where are you from, Cuba? Yada, yada, yada. Um, she's, they're like, is your name Nelly Moreno? She's like, yes. <laughs> that's me. Just keeps going with it. And very quickly, they're like... Um, this woman is a hopeless case. So one of the most interesting <laughs> things about it is she said she would act insane in the boarding house to get into the hospital. But once she was in the hospital, she would act in her everyday manner. That she would just go about her business as normal. She would like, when she was first going in, she did this thing where she would like not blink. She was like, I hear insane people hate blinking. And uh, <laughs> she would, she kind of, trained herself to just stare into the distance. So dry. <laughs> yeah, which is one of the things, because like her pupils are so dilated. They were like, she's, she's wild. Her eyes are mad. She, you know, she hasn't blinked in ages. Obviously, completely but not. Was she insane. writing this whole time? Or just kind of, like, she wasn't giving the newspaper articles No, 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 no. She wrote, the, the article came after. after. The article was, was after, right? Um, so I will say that acting sane on the psychiatric ward is incongruous. So you're, you know, she's already making a name for herself just by not falling in line and acting just a, a bit, you know. A little but left. Yeah, the interesting give, thing give is, something. right, she's of the four patients or of the three patients she's met so far, two of them also completely sane. Ah, yeah, so like it the is, selling. 
It is just, they, they are all acting in consistent ways. Do you know, it's not like she's the one who sticks out as a sore thumb. Like she's, she's in there, the poor German lady's in there sewing away. Her other friend is in there just with a headache. And it's like, <laughs> I've ended up on an island. You know, like it's really bad. But anyway, uh, it actually, I feel so bad for, the, for the, her friend who had the headache. Her name was Tilly Maynard. And she didn't realize she was in an insane asylum until a few days in, until <laughs> well, a while in. It's not a good sign. Yeah, and, and she was like, um, <laughs> Nelly turns around to Tilly at one stage and is like, are you aware that this is an insane asylum? <laughs> and she was like, no, my friends said they were sending me here to a ward to be treated for my nerves. She belongs there. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she does? No. Belongs. No. Their friends she have has had enough. Yeah, she head. sounds like a head <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Goodbye, Tilly. Goodbye, head wrecker. To the island with you. Yeah. Interrupting no. the conversation. Poor Tilly's on a night out and she's like, guys, I really have a bad headache. And they're like, off to the island with you. Like, she's just a pain in the arse. Yeah. No, and I think that she has a really significant, like, medical emergency. Like, aneurysm. Her hair starts falling out. Hangover. <laughs> bad hangover. Have you ever had a really bad hangover? I have. <laughs> Never mind. Into the story. <laughs> Did you ever waste valuable HSC hours? <laughs> Into the story, Cass. <laughs> um, so she starts then, she's taken off to, to, to the island. And the thing is, the women who are there are treated so goddamn badly that they all become fucking insane, right? So one of the things is that they're taken into a bathroom, uh, there's ice cold baths, and there is a genuinely insane woman instructed to wash them, and she's very rough. So she's in, <laughs> they're in these ice cold, ice cold baths. Like I'm actually picturing ice cubes, but like one of the big issues with the asylum is that there's no heating whatsoever. They're given no blankets, no clothes. And the woman is scrubbing away. And Nellie is like, would you please go a little bit softer? And they're like, What's no, the be song? quiet, you insane woman. Like be quiet, you're clearly, clearly crazy. Go right? easy on me. Go easy, go on, easy me. on me. Yeah. Adele. Yeah. We told you there. <laughs> Does anyone, I was trying to remember how it goes, can't. <laughs> Do you like that? Oh, God. That's it. She yeah, has it. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. Ten points. I, I was not moved. When the world was crying, I was confused. To the island with forgettable. you. Forgettable. Very forgettable. Um, I can't believe Woman Island isn't working out great. Yeah, no, it's exactly. really, really, really not, right? It sounds ideal. Um, so the doctors come around. Even the ice baths, titillating. Yeah. Uh, very, what's his name? The guy with the... Wim Hof. Wim Hof. Super mm. Wim Hof, right? So uh, one of the things is, is that the doctors come around, and every time she speaks to a doctor, she speaks to them honestly, and she tries to say, look, I'm sane. I would like to be let out. Uh, this is, you know, she's not saying I'm a journalist who's writing a story because that seems like a weird, mad, kind of like made up fictional story. But she's like, I'm saying I've been sent here against my will. I would like to be released. You do not have the right or the authority to keep me here. And every time she talks to a doctor, they're like, you're That's a hopeless case. What a mad person <laughs> you would are, say. But like... They yes. are not only saying that you are mad, they're saying you're mad with no hope of recovery. You're absolutely... And at one point she's talking to a doctor and 
um, he's asking her, do you hear voices, right? And so the nurses are outside the rooms every single night, talking, reading out loud to each other, which is just hell. Yes. <laughs> like reading aloud to reading each other. Reading aloud to each other. Fresh hell, unless you're at a live podcast event that you've played. <laughs> but um, the nurses are reading out loud to each other, and it's driving the patients mad, and they can't sleep. And they also then, they ch come and they check up on them in their rooms every mm. couple of hours. So the doors are really heavy. They're unlocking all mm. these locks coming in, waking up the patients, and the patients are going crazy. So the next morning, Nellie's up with one of the doctors, and he's like, do you hear voices at night? And she's like, I hear the voices of the nurses outside the room talking. And she's like, and what do the voices say? And she's like, and they're reading this out to each other. And they said Nellie Brown this. And they said, you know, whatever else. And she can, like, relay their conversations. And the doctor's like, delusions. Yeah. You're having delusions. Um, and she, at one point she makes a really good argument that if there ever was a fire or an emergency in the asylum, they need one of those big cranks that you see that open all the doors simultaneously because otherwise everyone's going to burn. And they're like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But isn't that just a great idea from an insane person? <laughs> like, they're not taking Impossible. anything. How the fuck is she going to get out of here? Well, it gets harder and harder and harder. So her plan originally was to go on and go into one of the... Um, one of the violent wings. So she was planning on staying there for quite some time um, and going through the wards till she got somewhere that was, you know, worse and worse and worse. But she said the treatment, the, the ward that she was on was so bad that she started becoming concerned. Um, and one of, the, one of the main things that they started doing was allowing journalists in. And because she was a working journalist who was sitting in the ward, she was, became really frightened that someone was going to recognize her. And at one point, actually, a friend of hers did come in and recognize her, but she managed to say, Senor, don't let... You. She was like, Senor, do you speak Spanish? And she was like, don't fucking give me away. Like, so he managed to keep up her secret. But there were all these journalists coming in all the time because simultaneously there was a girl who had been committed to one of the asylums who was... Um, genuinely, like Samantha as a party, didn't know who she was, and the journalists were coming in to try and help identify her, putting her picture in the paper and all that kind of stuff. And she just said the, the, the treatment was so inhumane that she couldn't, she couldn't stick it. She was seeing people being, you know, the, the cold baths were one thing. People were getting pneumonia because the place was so cold. The nurses were incredibly cruel. The doctors were spending five, six minutes with patients and saying that they were hopeless cases. Then people were getting medicated and like being kind of put into these really bad states. So eventually, um, the paper sent in a lawyer and said that uh, this lawyer had come in and that friends of Nellie, she was going by Nellie Brown in the asylum, the friends of Nellie Brown had agreed to take her out and take care of her. So she came out and she wrote this amazing expose of the treatment within the hospitals. Like an incredible, from the moment it started. So she, she wrote about how when she first went to the temporary house for women, the treatment there, the kind of the, the way that the matron treated her, how easy it was to be assumed crazy. One of the things that she did that they were like, that woman's clearly mad, was that she sat on the stairs. She just sat down on the stairs. In protest? No, no. For arrest? She just sat on the stairs and was like, I'm Jen not tired. Jen would have totally filed her under mad, clearly. Mad! Yeah. She never says it Mental. on the stairs. No. Get up! So um, how, how quick and how easy it was and how then when she went to the hospital for, for her sort of general sort of consultation, how all she had to do to be admitted to asylum was to just not 
comply. Not comply. Mm. That is it. To not participate in the way that was expected. She never answered questions untruthfully. She just answered them with a little bit of attitude. And eventually, um, her expose was so significant, it warranted the book. So originally, it was published in the World newspaper. And then uh, she went on to write, well, a short story, according to Jen, 94 pages, on, um, on the treatment and the treatment of the women. She named the patients. And it resulted in a commission being put together to go back and examine the hospital. And she was invited to participate in the commission and return to the hospital and examine it with court-appointed commissioners. And helped. And now, and helped. But when they went back, um, they, they had obviously read the story and tidied up the place and given them extra blankets and put in fresh bread and then stopped feeding them crap and closed up the windows and all that kind of stuff. But it just took Nelly going in and being like, this isn't what it was like when I was here. And basically, it resulted in um, this, the individual states being given an extra... It was an extra million dollars in spending, which at the time when like her boarding was 70, 30 cents a night, a million quid is like... That's incredible. Incredible. And it resulted in better treatment overall of women with... Nelly. Mental illness. What a hero. An absolute oh, Nelly. hero. Really a hero. And a very good book. Never been kissed. Suck on that, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> there, is a, there is a Lifetime muse, movie starring Christina... Apple? Richie? Richie. Richie. Really? It was released in 2019. The trailer looks terrible. She feels too old for that role in 2019. Uh, she, I would say that she was. Oh. <laughs> they all know Christina personally. Thank They're you, like, Cassie, for an amazing hero from the depths of the island. Story, Nelly, never to be forgotten. Incredible. Are you ready for the most insanely character-laden story I've ever told? Yes. Fucking hell. Okay, everyone, please keep up. Please try to keep up. The year is 1904. You never guess where we are. Missouri. Oh, fuck, I'm gone already. America. Never mind, America. Deep okay. Sorry, America. And the time in the world, Russia and Japan at war. No one gave a shit about the Olympics, but guess who did? America. <laughs> because the Olympics was happening there in St. Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. Missouri, ah. okay. Okay, so out of the... Okay, really please try to keep up. I'm going to do my very best because okay. we've got a race. We've got individuals. We've got first and last names. We and have a drunk Jen. And different... Yes, I'm going to try. Everything's going to be fine. 1904. Here we go. Out of the 600 participants in the Olympics, guess how many of them were American? 394. More! 540. <laughs> so, America! Fuck yeah! It is a fully American, like, okay, here we go. America's taken home 78 gold medals, 78 silver, versus, for instance, Germany. How many who games took four. were there? Many. <laughs> four gold was for Germany. Not great, but not bad. So, focus table. Lynn, I know your name. Rebecca, I know you too. Okay, we're in the marathon. There's many sports in the Olympics, but this one today will be focused on the marathon, right? 25 miles, that's 40 kilometers. I know what you're saying to yourself. That's not a lot. It's marathon. not a lot, and that's because it isn't. Well, no, it is. It is. I'm just. 
the course <laughs> itself was a disaster, right? We're in 1904, we're knee deep in dust, first of all. There's ankle tripping rocks aplenty. <laughs> That someone had a great idea of sending the cars at the time that did exist ahead of the runners, right? To that fuck meant up the road. a cloud gouging. of gouging yeah. road business. Uh, we had people, we had dog walkers. There was shite everywhere. Only 10% of the course was a path. Okay, no one was even sure where they were going. <laughs> I'm picturing them wandering so. through people's homes. Trying to they weren't so. That's how insane it all was. It was 1904. They were just trying shit out. I love like, your 1904 the, attitude. It was the Anything Olympics. goes. But wait till you hear what happens while I tell you. <laughs> right? It's in St. Louis. It's sometime in the summer. The, the temperature is unbelievably hot. A 38 sizzle. Oh. With a humidity of a number that isn't irrelevant to us. Hot and sticky, and you can imagine with the dust that it just oh. hangs in the air. Stick and tar yeah. and feathering. It is a tar. Dust and sweat. So it's an absolute nightmare, mm. right? Intense heat. And now I'd like to introduce a gentleman by the name of James E. Sullivan. You can know him, as I do mentally, as a water pervert. <laughs> Specifically, hydration perverted is what he was. His belief was if you starve athletes of water that they will perform more than 10 times uh, as good as they would if they were hydrated and people some people were with him but the thing is he was organizing the whole event <laughs> so he was like look what's guys what's his research i mean this is a boring what's his research i don't know on? we're just going to presume nothing it's like I, thirsty people it like, run faster towards water he found that's a, it if they're running yeah. towards water they are and I also scientifically sound a dry mouth blowjob can be interesting ah. james e Pinchy. sullivan remember that pervert james E. Sullivan, sick, anti-hydration, bad okay. man. Water pervert James. So okay. James hates water. We're going to give people jobs. It's your job to remember water pervert James. Water pervert James only features the twice. This okay. is the first time. So he was like, look, guys, this is what's happening. The 30-odd, I think it was about 40-odd people lined up and started hearing about James. And James was like, look, this is my theory. This is what's happening. Halfway through the marathon, I'm you'll get... i someone blowing him while he's talking. Maybe it was. This is what's happening. Someone down there is like, what's a, what's a dry blowjob sound like? And he was like, literally that. So James was like, look, right, you win. I will agree to give you a bag of water at the halfway point, but it won't be clean. <laughs> right? The guy, like giving the blowjob would suck really hard if he was thirsty. Though. If there was some hydration promised at yeah, the end exactly. of it, I just see a few drops. Look at Cassie. So, we do this just because we love you. Here we are again. It's just it comes up so often. I'm sorry. It's related somehow. So anyway, James is like, look, I hear your your issues, athletes. I'm going to give you a halfway point here. Would that help? 10, 15 athletes were like, no, fuck you, James. I'm not running this race. It's suicide. The rest of the guys <laughs> lined up dutifully. Here we go as I introduce a number of the runners. Right. Okay, there was a Greek team. Unbelievably handsome. <laughs> 1914, here's what you wore. A wife beater, an enormous leather belt, a huge cargo short, leather runners, or they were shoes. Except, and you're looking through the line of the Greek athletes and you're thinking, wow, 
And then someone catches your eye and it's Felix. And you'll never guess what Felix was wearing. A fucking three-piece suit. <laughs> I'll tell you, so Felix was a postman in Greece. And he was like, look, I'm really inter interested in uh, being an Olympian. Can someone, can I get involved? Everyone's like, no, Felix, no. <laughs> to the island with you. And Felix was like, fuck you, I'm making my own dough. And he started some equivalent in the 19th century, 18, whatever, 20, whatever, you know what I'm saying, of a GoFundMe. <laughs> and he raised the Just money. asked people for cash. He fucking did, and he got Pennies. it, right? So he got loads of, well, some cash, enough to get the boat over. Hit New From Orleans. Fucking blew all of it at the Cassie Casino. He was like, I'm going to double the this money. Casino. And all he was left was, of course, the clothes on his back. So he arrives to the clothes. race an hour before takeoff in the full three-piece suit and the half-top hat and the whole... And it's 38 degrees and the humidity's off the charts. But do you know what he has that everyone doesn't? A three-piece suit. Dick. A huge dick. I knew it was a huge dick. I was thinking, if Felix needs to raise funds, he just needs to start Felix Feel It. Felix is Feel It, and he just charges people for a little quick feel. Yeah, he, well, the, the Felix was so easily distracted and so social that when the race... <laughs> so again, there's many other people I need to talk it's about. It's just gregarious. Okay, I'll tell you more about him later on. But okay. first, we're back to the race kind of people. Right, we've got Felix in his suit. Then there was this French runner, Albert Corey, forgot his fucking A4 paper. You know. Oh, the number. The visa, right? Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> so he arrives up to the sign-in thing with the American uh, Olympics guys, and they're like, yeah, do you know what you are now? You're Al Corey. You're running for America. <laughs> so the Americans just took him in as Al Corey. And then the fuck, wait for this, lads. The Russian team, like, who knew this? So Russia at the time was on a whole different calendar. So he arrived... So they were just the not, not there because of the timing. Did you know that? That time difference thing, it's so confusing. It, I'm telling you, it's, it's a calendar. so confusing. Did you anyone though. hear Russian? Incredibly weird. Did you just ask anyone here anyway, Russian? So they weren't there. So Is anyway. anyone here Russian? So, the Ru so then we've got Team you Africa. With the fringe, are you Russian? We've got four African runners. The first black people to ever compete in any Olympics, right? The best runner in that group was Len Tao, an amazing runner. The fastest anyone had ever seen. No fucking shoes. No. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe he didn't need them. Did he train well, without? We don't. Maybe so. Well, maybe. maybe, maybe it's, like, it's just a hot skip and a jump from those shoes with the toes. I was maybe. To say, maybe he has the creepy shoe the toe, weird show, toe shoes. Shoe, two shoes. He didn't yeah. have anything. They were on the back foot. Definitely. Anyway, the the oh, well, wait, no, but the, the barefoot runners are—that's how they train with the Irishman in Maybe, Kenya. Maybe, but we're in fucking New Orleans. No, we're in St. Louis. The roads are full of shit. There's crap everywhere. It's not what he's used to. The gun goes off, right? Len Tao takes the lead. Unbelievable, kicking up dust in the rear. Everyone's like, what the fuck? Catch up to him, quick. <laughs> <laughs> As I imagine running races are. That's yeah, the whole idea. St. Louis, Missouri. Get him. What the fuck? Just get him. <gasps> right, Felix, the three-piece suit guy, taking up the rear. Just casually. Feel it, Felix. Feeling it, Felix is absolutely not doing well. Pumping sweat, no water in sight. A shot put guy 
gets a look at him and goes, Felix, get over here. I've got a pair of scissors. I'm going to make you shorts. Ah, yes. Ah. Right? So Felix, Nothing like, Nothing like a that. pair of tweed shorts to win a marathon. Seriously, he loses the hat. Aerodynamics. <laughs> okay. He was also incredibly chatty. So he was unable to not speak to all of the spectators that lined the thing. He sounds like, does anybody remember Declan Moffat? No. Who's he? Declan Moffat. Aerodynamics. Probably win the fucking thing. Okay. <laughs> Felix is behind, chatting shite to some... He can't even speak English, but somehow <laughs> he's managing to chat shit to the crowd. Uh, Len Tao from, from Africa is in the lead. He's two miles ahead of everyone. Felix decides, I'm rejoining this shit. Gets his head in the game. He's last, but he's his head in the game, okay? Right, here we are. Two Americans <laughs> up with Len. We're six miles in. Then the two Americans drop behind, collapsing with torn esophaguses and lungs full of stones. Jesus. Oh, the dust, the dust the and dust. the tar. Oh, that's very bad, like coughing up blood. It's like smoking as you run a marathon. It is, and they were smoking also. Okay. <laughs> Welcome aboard a new individual, a brickie from New York by the, by the name of Fred Lords. Worked all day doing the bricks. Hold trained on a at second, night. what's your guy's name? Do you want a blowjob? <laughs> That's him. Blow he was job. coming in fifth. Okay, so Fred Lords, Bricky from New York, he did some minor well training, done. but it was mostly the heart that he had to offer. Like as in his spirit? He worked all day. Yeah, his Just spirit. Just love of it. Okay. He worked all day. He did his running in the nighttime in New York, but like, it, frankly, it wasn't enough training. Other people no. had better training than him, but he was very handsome and a fan favorite. <laughs> like me. Like Cass. So he took off, everyone was going wild, and he stormed ahead. People couldn't believe their eyes. He fucking passed out Len. Len was like, this is unfair, I've got no shoes on. And, uh, and then we've got Al Corey. Remember the French guy who yes. went American? May we. May we, fifth place. So everyone's storming through the dust and heat. And then Fred Lords begins to slow. Do you know what gets him? A leg cramp. Oh, yeah. Woo! Ooh. Oh, That's my it, Freddie. God. So Fred's got a leg cramp and he goes over to the left and he's like, can't you know do that's it anymore. dehydration, yeah? Well, yes! <laughs> I'm sure most of this Ronnie. is. Can I say, I didn't warm to Fred. From the moment you introduced him, I didn't feel a connection. Well, it's got to be that, Felix. Keep that in your loins, Sophs, because you'll never guess what's going to happen next. No. So Fred's on the side from New York, Bricky. He's like, I've got this cramp. I can't carry on. I don't give a shit anyway. I'm good looking. Who cares? <laughs> then he gets a car and he's like, can you just drive me to the end? Because I'm, I'm out. I'm out of the race, right? So he's gone. We're back in the game. Fred's gone for the time being, but do keep him in your nethers. So anyway, <laughs> back to the race. Rank, okay, the rank is changing constantly. Enter a weird Irishman. Yes. Also, no papers, considered an American. <laughs> he puts in a stallion to grow. He's sweating away and he's full of violence and aggression and he's moving fast. But of course he burns out fast because of course the rocks in the lungs. Oh. He's tumbled over, blood is coming and uh, he rolls off into a ditch to the side. But you know what? He, did, he was after winning, winning the marathon, the Boston Marathon the year before. A genuinely you good runner. You haven't even bothered giving him a name. Uh, what was his name again? Paddy McSpudson. Let's Liam. go with that. Lordan was his name. Doesn't sound Irish to me. Anyway, right, we've hit the halfway point, okay? Of the story or the marathon? Oh, both. So the, the halfway point, do you know what's there? Bag of brown water. 
Oh. As James E. Sullivan agreed, the hydration pervert is giving up the hydration. Yes. So, as you know, I favor a brown water. So the Coffee and Coke only, I will not consume clear liquid. Good for you, because if you had opted it's to boring. consume it, yes. you'd be fuckered. Because the first three leading Americans suckled on the teat of that brown bag, and they were struck down within moments with water bum. <laughs> Absolutely poisoned. Water. That's the medical term, water Cassie. Bum. It's water called bum. water bum. Yep. Uh, and it, it hisses and fizzes. It fizzed it's out of their good. white bums. Like, and, enough, and it happened so quick that the lads running behind were like, I see what's happening. I'm going to opt out of the water. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. So the three front Americans... But did they physically see what was happening? Yes, Cassie! Oh. Yeah. It was chundering out of them. Oh. And they were bent over in pain and poisoned. Uh, and, but it was yeah. lubricating the track, which yes. is... Which is a bonus. soft ground, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Liquid's liquid. Now they were doing some trail running. Oh, then this guy, American, right, took the lead again. Like, there's many, many Americans here. But uh, at three front-leading Americans done away by the diarrhea. Next fourth in the race, Garcia. He was like, okay, I think I'm doing well, but suddenly disappeared off the track. Turns out he was dying. So what <laughs> happened to him was that somehow the stones and sand had made their way into his stomach and were eroding away at his stomach lining, perforating his stomach, and he was just bleeding into his abdomen. Say it again. You know what I mean. Uh, one more time. The so abdometrist time didn't know what to do. So there was no optometrists, optometrists on hand other than a couple of, uh, you know, standers by who poked him and ultimately saved his life. But he, that's, that was him, gone. Okay, Dead. we're back in the race. So, enter this guy. You'll want to remember him. He doesn't die. Thomas Hicks, okay? Thomas Hicks. Remember Hicks. He's taken the lead. He was the lead by a mile and a half, storming ahead, but losing moisture, like, unbelievably quickly. Like, an unbelievable raisin man, just storming. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Hicks had a support crew of two trainers who were like, I see he's wavering. He's starting to call for help. The trainers <laughs> were like, I know what this guy needs. He needs a bath. No, no, not in the mouth, but of a sponging down as he's moving, of warm water. Oh. Right? So at this point, Thomas was like really dry. He couldn't move much. And the two trainers were under each arm. They had a sponge going up and down his body. Jesus. They were like, you know, we need more. Open your mouth, Thomas, because you're getting some strychnine. Poison. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so strychnine was like... Basically, the cocaine of the time. You might that well, don't look at me. <laughs> you might remember it. Uh, huge cocaine fiend. You might know your class <laughs> A drugs. So stri strychnine. Slander is what that is. I apologise. Strychnine, a rat poison, which I think is what maybe it's not used anymore. It's a poison. That's all we need to know. But in small doses, very Fun. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, very powerful poison back then, but very sexy cocaine alternative. But Hicks was shagged. It would probably fill him with the confidence to win the thing. Well, that's what they were like, okay, yeah. but you know what? He definitely needed something to wash it down with. And they were like, should we give him water? Let's nah. give him brandy. So, at this point, Hicks, absolute desert mouth, was given poison 
and just brandy, right? <laughs> you know what? It, it might have taken them probably fucking 16 hours to do the marathon. They probably had a great time, though. It took them way less, Cass. <laughs> wait till I tell you. So Higgs was like floundering around in desert mouth and his two irritating handlers consistently giving him poison and then oh, brandy. Jesus. And they were like, this guy needs a meal. It's like eating a boost bar and then just being like... Oh, someone giving you some Jacob's cream crackers. Like, it's exactly. Ultimate hellmouth. Hellmouth. So he was started to then hallucinate on account of the drugs and the whiskey or the brandy. And they were like, this guy needs a meal. Let's crack a few eggs into his gob. Oh, so they no. slide down some raw eggs into Hicks. And, on, and that's the situation with Hicks. I know what you're thinking. Where's Felix? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievably, you read the minds of the room. At this point, Felix <laughs> How is, is Felix. I know you wouldn't believe it. He's in second place. <laughs> yes. Okay, Cuban. He's not well Greek. Let's pretend he's Greek. Black tie catching up on Hicks. The Hicks fast, right? Distracted by an apple orchard. <laughs> I love Felix. He's like, look, I'll get a few apples into me and I'll, that'll Good help plan. me carry on. Oh, I can see no. Hicks is in about no. cooking apples. Stomach cramps. Stomach cramps. Yeah. They were cooking apples. It was a bad option. He needed a lie down and he went for a lie down. Oh, Felix. So he, he went probably still won the fucking for a thing because the others are higher <laughs> Okay. Let's, at this time, remember the Bricky. Do you remember him? This I is like a test, right? I don't care for him, So Fred. the Bricky was in a car driving to the finish line. Car breaks down. <laughs> right? And then he's he Fred Lord. And he's like, I'm back in the race. <laughs> okay, so Fred Lord. <laughs> just Lourdes. like um, when, you know, her, she did this. Sonia O'Sullivan. No, the <laughs> other one. The other one who jumped on the tram in the Boston no, Marathon. Uh, no, Rosanna Davis. Paula Radcliffe. What? Oh, Rose. Yes. You're Ro one who did it with the VHI Women's Mini Marathon. Yes. Slandered oh, everyone yes. here, right? It's right. It took me so long to get the name. Broadcasting live. Rosanna Davison. Yeah. Okay. So did the, it for the right. VHI you, Women's Mini Is everybody Marathon. with me? She won the fucking thing. She was faster than Sonia O'Sullivan. Liar. Now, okay, so we're back in... Fr okay, Fred lowered the bricky from New York's car's broken down, and he's like, fuck it, I'll go back into the race. Rejoins the race, okay? And Len Tao, the African, looking amazing for second place at this point. Do you remember? He steams past uh, Apple Orchard Nap Felix, and he's like, fuck this, I'm going to win this. He's got Hicks, the hallucinating lunatic, in his, in his fucking <laughs> peripheral vision. It was unbelievable, right? Breezes past Hicks. He's in first position. He can't believe it. He hears something to his right. It's a pack of feral dogs. <laughs> he can't believe it, right? So he's like, Jesus Christ. And then he takes off to his left, completely leaving the track behind. And before we know it, he's two miles off the fucking track, right? Shoeless with a pack of wild dogs in his thing. Anyway, right, back to Hicks, who's back in first place because Len's off with the dogs and your man Felix is asleep in the field. Wait, hold on, is Hicks not high off the Hicks rap is and off his head. He's... He's going back and forth on the track. The two trainers are like, how the fuck? We're out of brandy. The game's over. Right? So they pull him over to the side. Legs no longer working, like Trina McCarthy at your wedding. Uh, she's trailed into the bush. 
right? Uh, so Felix, oh sorry, Hicks. Hicks is in a fucking heap. And then the two trainers are like, all we need now is a bottle of brandy. And there's, is there, by any chance, does anyone have one? Would you believe someone did? So quick as a flash, the two trainers filled the bottle of brandy up and then half strychnine and they were back on the race. <laughs> Hicks, by some unbelievable miracle, being 60% dead at this point, <laughs> regains control of his legs. The two trainers break away and they're like, he's fucking moving unassisted. <laughs> right, so he's going. Oh, right. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. No, I mentioned that. Okay, so we're back. <laughs> Hicks is cruising around from side to side, but guess who appears? Felix? Fre no. Oh. Fred Lords, the brickie from New York who'd got, who cheated. Remember him? He's like, oh, back in the game, and who's this fucking loser, Hicks? I can overtake him, no problem. Steams past Hicks into the fucking finish line. No. The crowds go wild. He's bursting through the whatever, the ribbon of 1914. Probably just a ribbon. Anyway, he's through. <laughs> Women are crying. People are handing them their babies. He even gets photographed with the president of the time. No one remembers who. <laughs> photographed with the daughter of the president and the president, right? Goes up to collect his golden trophy. <laughs> and someone in the audience goes, that guy cheated. And Fred Lords is like, I did. <laughs> I did. But everyone else is Everyone else dead. is in bits. But so. everyone else is in But Fred was like, I know what I'll do. There's only one option here. I'll just say, it was a big prank. <laughs> it was just a big prank. Gotcha. No one was impressed. He was barred for the Olympic from Olympics for life, but then appealed the ban and then went back to compete two years later. So all this fucking drama shit was going on at the end of the... You know, they were still like, oh, we still need a winner here. We don't have a winner. Oh, Jesus. Just <laughs> and they the just gave best dress to, to Felix. <laughs> no, on the horizon, through the dust mess, someone could be seen weaving into focus. It was fucking Hicks. Hicks was at this point, like, complete, full hallucinating. He needed to be guided into the direction of the finish line by the crowds. And it was desperate. He hit a wall, like, meters from the end, dropped to his knees. Just straight into a wall. He hit, he was down on his knees. His two trainers were like, this is our moment. They took his two hands and dragged him across the finish line. Corpse. But like, and because it was 1904, that was legal. Yeah. They were like, you fully won here, man. Welcome to the winner's circle. Uh, do you know, <laughs> wait for this. Do you know how long the marathon was? Guess. Six Two hours. hours. Three and a half hours. <laughs> like, that's so a good time. But so much shit happened. For what I know about marathons. Like, one can of Coke <laughs> would have sent somebody home. Anyway, it was the short, <laughs> slowest Olympic winning time in history. <laughs> And, uh, but in three hours, Thomas Hicks, he lost eight pounds. <laughs> and he was mostly dead. And they propped him up on the like... the winning leader of Operation Transformation. He that was. Well done. <laughs> oh, wait, I must tell you about Felix. <laughs> Felix ended up coming third. Yeah, oh, Felix. I can't yeah. remember who came second. Fourth place, Len. Yeah, Len. Did, did his feral dog's place? No, but that's the end of this. Then the Russian team arrived, and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like seven months Thank later. you, yeah. Jennifer. <laughs>
sorry. Thank you for keeping up. Sensational. It was a marathon. It was a marathon. It was really good, though. Okay, hello. <laughs> Welcome. Wanted, I wanted to open this like halfway through your story so that I could start it booting up because I don't know if everyone's computer is like that, but you know, it needs months and months, like the Russians. It's time to reinvest. Okay, I don't know where to go now. This has been in a confusing show so far, tonally. I know. So I know. It's been all I, over the place. I don't know what you to give you. You can bring the darkness. I have a sadness sandwich. Oh, God. Oh. As in sandwich between whimsy and absurd. I'm enjoying but those. definite sadness in the That's center. That's fine. We can do it. Okay. Okay. We're going to do it. Let's do it. I have some it. sad Satanists. Yay! Oh. I know. It's sad when the Satanists aren't happy. Um, I've called this story has a working title of Satanism in the City. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, 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 never da, gonna da, gonna da, get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Is that not sex no. in the city thing? My bad. <laughs> what song do you think it is? It's not the sex of the city scene theme. Do, 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 Okay. And the support in the corner is incredible. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Sex in the City wasn't out when I was a young one. And it wasn't out when Anton LaVey was a young one. Boom. There we Seg go. Seg the fuck Wade. Okay. Does anyone know much about Satanism here? Yeah. Do we have yeah. a Satanist in the house at all? Come see, she come dabbles. Sa. She dabbles. founder of the Church of Satan, was a bit come see, come sa too about it. Kind of when it suited him a little bit when it was kind of financially viable otherwise. Nee. Yeah. But also, I do kind of like Anton LaVey. He was a bit of a P.T. Barnum, Barnum kind of... A showman. Uh, yeah, totally, totally. So, okay, Satanism is way more friendly than many would think. Interesting. As a religion. Like, it's, it's just friendly accepting. times. Very accepting. Yeah, yeah. All, There's a lot welcome. to like here, basically. But Anton LaVey, the founder of um, the Church of Satan, and it is a baller move founding a religion, I do have to say, and especially Quickest one that I can million, get on board with. What do you say? Quickest, Quickest way, way to make, make a million. million. Yeah. Um, okay, so he was born Howard Stanton, and he was like, no, that won't do. Anton LaVey for me, please. Born in Chicago, 1930. He had some musical interests. Um, his favorite instruments were the keyboards. He liked piano, accordion. So he's very musical. Um, oh, I can relate that to Satanism. Yeah, I know. Satan kind of like, you know, doing a boogie-woogie yeah. on, the, on the old Uplift. banjo. Look, we've all or... seen the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, yes. Satan, Satan really is a musical theatre kid, Once definitely. more with feeling. Now, there's a song yes. I'm not going to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he went to high school, blah, 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 in California. And then at the age of 16, he left high school to join a circus and then carnivals. Um, his official job was roustabout. What does that mean? I think it's what you do now. Okay. Yeah. For roustabout, you know, just being around the place. Roustabouter. Yeah. Rousting about the place. And he was a cage boy, which is my job now. Cage um, boy? Yes. In an act with big cats. Big nice. Cassie. Yes. Nice. Okay. Um, and then he also played music at the circus. Um, 
And then he also um, started, while he was working at the circus, was when he started to go to these revival tents because they'd be traveling around the circus. And the circus was like on a similar circuit to all the con man preachers. So he'd go to the revivalist tents and see the preachers doing the like, laying the hands on the Lord. Oh. Yeah. Very And accurate. Anton LaVey was like, people are paying money for this. And he was intrigued. And um, it also made him really start to really turn on uh, other, like Christianity and stuff. He was just like, what an absolute uh, pile of shite that is. And um, so he, anyway, was later to have found to have never worked in a circus. Um, there's a lot of that in this story. Apparently, so what, uh, nobody spooked? could ever prove that he was a roustabout, a musician or a cage boy. Liar. Sad. Did he not, not have a party trick he could put, like a party piece that he would whip out with his accordion and all his other instruments? <laughs> no, none of it. <laughs> Absolutely none of it. It's just, it's no, really no, I do think move. he could do kind of like... That one. It's very do, impressive do, if do, the other person does the thing. Do, 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 do. So that was the extent of Levey's genius on keyboards. And mm -hmm. um, I know he did actually get himself a job playing. This is this no this sentence playing organ in a burlesque house. Ooh. So I still don't know if that was music. Yeah, I feel like if you're at a burlesque <laughs> house, you're not coming for the organ. You're, well, depends. Mm. He did claim during this time that he had a brief affair with the then unknown Marilyn Monroe when Ooh. she was a dancer. And I do think this is a little bit of a masterclass in lying because you always just go slightly underwhelming. It was a brief affair. She was then unknown. Ah. Uh. Just take it down a notch, and it's a very good lie. Except that the owner of the establishment said she had never been one of his dancers, nor had the theatre ever been used as a burlesque house. Who is Anton LaVey? Again. Not to worry. According to his own biography, um, Anton LaVey then moved to San Francisco. It was 1950. Um, it was all starting to kind of like kick up a notch in San Francisco. Um, he mar married a woman called Carol and they got married. Um, she was just <laughs> the 15 years old. Oh my God. What Ooh. age was he? Not that it mattered. Um, quick head mats. He was... 40s. <laughs> I'm like, wait, by this he was 10. No, he was 20. Okay, 20. Right, still though. Right, choosing right. ones, you get confused. Um, so anyway, uh, he put a baby in her and she gave birth to his daughter, Carla LaVey. Um, and then he basically tried to get out of doing the whole Korean War by going to college. And uh, then he found himself a job at the police, San Francisco Police Department. And he said that he worked there for three years and that he, during his time there, again, this is according to Anton LaVey's biography, he, uh, during his time there, worked as a psychic investigator looking into, quote, 800 calls referred to him by San Francisco Police Department. It's um, rare now that the police would defer to a psychic. Not, mm, uh, not totally outrageous, but it is rare. And certainly, unsurprisingly, they didn't enjoy it being said that they did, and there are no records substantiating this claim. Liar again! Liar again! During this period, LeVay was friends with a number of writers, none of whose names I recognised. I was like, LeVay, LeVay, come on. Anyway, 1960. It's genuinely starting to kick off, right? He's now moved to LA 
and he's got uh, another daughter on the way, Zina Galatia Shrek. Um, he's Sorry. getting more into the swing of things Sorry. with the names now. Zina Galatia Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. Carol? Is I think actually Shrek was like her maiden name. So she was born LaVey. So anyway, he was, um, this is interesting. I never knew this existed, right? He was with her mother for 24 years, right? And when they parted, her mother sued for something called palimony. What's that? It's alimony for pals. What? I know, no. it's not class. No. Eligible. Swear to God, I looked up palimony and it was like, I was like, this couldn't be a portmanteau of pal and alimony. It is. And so I'm going to be hitting you both up for some palimony in a little while. Um, okay, so anyway, basically, he starts up his, um, he starts uh, attend, like kind of having this kind of parties in his house, he sort of like starts bringing all these kind of like, you know, satanically minded guys around him where they can all kind of bitch about the, Catholic, the Christian church and kind of, you know, expound on the, how great Satan is. And um, so they basically founded an organization. He was giving these Friday night lectures and he was doing a lot of stuff about the occult and rituals. And um, a few of the, uh, of the guests were like, I think you might have the basis for a new religion, Anton. And Anton just, was just like- It kind of snowballed, did it? It certainly did. It, he, it was in the mid sixties. He shaved his head and kind of said, I'm going to start looking like a Satanist. Let's do <laughs> he this. He was the first one. So he got to call it, it's the shaved head, goatee, evil eyebrows. Um, so anyway, he declared 1966 as year one because it was his church and his party and he'd cry if he wanted to. Um, so then anyway, he just went on. He basically like expounded on satanic teachings. So that Satanism was very friendly all was through the though? 60s. What about the killing and the, you know, that's... sacrificing and the blood drinking? Okay, so that's the satanic panic, ah, so... much of which was found to be not true. So what was the basis for Satanism then? Well, okay, we'll come back to that, but it's like, gen like it could be summed up with basically like, you do you, and... Um, was it like agnostic? Agno it's no, like it's atheism, but it's like a step kind of further than atheism where Satanists believe that like they are the God, like you yourself is our God, you should hail yourself. Like Instagram. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So he did gain a lot of notoriety because people just didn't really go in for understanding Satanism and the Satanists themselves are kind of like really irritating. Annoying. You know, those people that are like, well, I think actually if you read the very fine print on our tiny satanic Bible, you might notice <laughs> that we actually, blah, blah. and you know, those people. Yes. So I think um. all, everyone else was just like, <sighs> so anyway, he was kind of notorious because um, he's performed satanic weddings and a baptism. What the fuck is a satanic wedding look like now? I think, well, now like probably very different to the 60s. <laughs> Um, so basically, the first satanic baptism in history was for none other than his three-year-old daughter, Xenia. And Shrek. he made a big whole thing about dedicating her to Satan and the left-hand path. And that garnered worldwide publicity. But again, like, they just weren't really going in for like, all the ritual sacrifice blood stuff it was really more just about like Not it was really more like Christian. an elaborate fuck you to christianity mm. had formed a religion a yeah. bit again satanists feel free to get in touch and correct me at the end we have a frequently frequently asked questions section actually which is great okay so 
Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, yes. Uh, there was a period in the early uh, 80s when the FBI interviewed Anton LaVey in connection with an alleged plot to murder Ted Kennedy. And um, LaVey himself told the FBI that most of the church followers were fanatics and weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and the agents reported that Anton LaVey's interest in the church was strictly a monetary one. Wow. And that he spent most of his time furnishing interviews, writing material, and lately had become interested in photography. How <laughs> satanic. Now, his You've just teachings. described the creep type. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like some macrame. Full of weirdos. Macrame. Crafts. Fanatics craft and focused. cultists. Lucrative, though. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm now going to tell you a little micro tale about some sad Satanists, okay? So Please. this is now oh, in the mid-70s. And um, we have a Satanist called Charles who was 50 years old when he decided, fuck it, I'm going to quit my stupid job as a professor of stupid pharmacology at Loyola Stupid University in <laughs> Chicago. And I'm going to move with my two dogs and my long-term partner, Joseph, to a 40-acre parcel of land outside Somerville, Georgia. The dream. The, dream. the actual the dream. dream. So... 40 acres is a lot. 40 acres. 40 football fields. Too Recently, much. I googled this, and Ireland is 230 million acres. So I don't think it's that much. <laughs> it's still, it's a lot. You'd have to get one of those ride-on lawnmowers. You would. Absolutely. The ultimate dream. <laughs> yeah. Things. You'd be out there all day. It would be fun, though, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> I know. And like Charles and Joseph were so full of like hope and plans for what was going to be their own private Idaho but not in Idaho, it's Georgia. So, okay, slightly bad omens initially, right? They rocked up to their new street where their house was just off, dead horse. Just absolutely mouldy dead horse, decomp quite advanced. And they were like, do you know when like, you actually are in a situation and like, it's done? So actually you just really have to go with the dead horse. And they were like, oh, Charles is like, Joseph, look, there's a dead horse welcoming us. Yeah. I mean, we're Satanists, so. And Joseph was like, you know, we should call this Dead Horse Road. And so that is how their street name got its name. I, I think they just pushed the horse aside and carried on down to this enormous plot of land, right? Fucking dream. Kevin McLeod dream. Nothing was there. Charles, right? Well, sometimes that's very difficult now. Keep bringing the water and the electrics. The and the they didn't bother. They didn't bring in electric planning permission. No, 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 no. This was Those all. people are old. They way are. off grid. No, no. There was going to be no DCC shitting on this parade. No. Um, so they didn't bother with electrics. But fair play to them. They built a small castle. Um, it's a, quite an odd-looking building. Um, I think, do you know the way that sometimes you'd use materials that you'd come by so that the aesthetics might be compromised a somewhat? Palette, so there is. Palette furniture. Yeah. Rampant in Dublin 8. If it, it had been Pinterested. Disgusting. Okay. I feel like we're sitting on some. No, that kind oh, of. Shit. It has Sorry. the look. This is crazy furniture. Gorgeous. It is lovely. We love palette <laughs> furniture. So anyway, like they built this whole huge, well, like it's not huge. It's like a weirdly kind of like 
stunted castle. Like at first glance, you're like, it's a castle. And then second, you're like, oh, it's like a large mobile home though. So it's like mobile home proportions, castle features, turret, um, all made out of very incongruously tiny red brick. Uh, the pointing, I mean, you'd be doing that every 10 years. I mean, if I had happened by, I would have been Charles Joseph, I'd rethink that. You're gonna have to get that repointed every 10 years. Okay, so anyway, they were really happy in their new, um, their new place. Like Charles had just been so tired of like his life at the university. Oh, the fucking politics, medical students. <sighs> they weren't interested in learning. He wasn't interested in teaching them. Um, he did leave and he took a few souvenirs um, before he uh, left his office. So he took some human skulls just for his personal uses and um, also 12,000 doses of LSD. Wow! Also for personal uses. I mean, that's. He wanted to run a marathon. It was like Satanist preppers. Yeah. I love yes. this. Yes. So, anyway, they were living in their idyll, you know, and uh, like literally 45,000 bricks of this house were laid by hand. I mean, fair balls to them. Like they did the insulation, trenches, dug pipes for sinks. They even had, so they were able by the end of the first summer to move into the first floor of the main house, which was like your kitchen, living, dining, lovely. And the next year they got the second floor, all habitable bedrooms. There was a beautiful circular stairwell illuminated by stained glass because Charles was very creative and he would basically, I mean, basically craft major crafter, mm. loved a hobby, and he did a bit of stained glass, didn't he? Uh, fabulous. Gorgeous, fabulous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And then, right, along with the kind of two-story, weirdly tiny castle, they also had this other building, um, and one of them has been described as like a three-story chicken coop. Um, being... For guests? Just, just, For chickens. Well... Sorry. Um, you're not wrong. So basically the first floor was for poultry and food storage. The second floor was for canned goods and the pornography collection. And the top floor, that is planning. I like that. That is the joy of grand designs. When you see a couple who are creating a building sympathetic to their needs. Yes. And as Kevin MacLeod would say, what sympathetic would you, to their porn collection. What would you have? What would you, what you're, the thing that you would build for? Are you asking me what specific porn? Oh my God, my pole, no. my pole dancing room? Christ, no, sorry. <laughs> what did, you, what, what did she ask you? I just wondered if I was asking about her specific porn habits. Oh. Live what on were stage. What were theirs? It's like, now is the time to tell me. <laughs> Their porn habits. Very I thought vanilla. she was asking what would our special room be? Missionary. Yeah. What would your special room be? Porn. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's It'd true. just be a room with loads of hoovers. Jen's very nice. analog, so she has loads of like creepy, sticky VHS and stuff. She is much older than us, Cassie. I am. Um, <laughs> she is elder. I am an elder porn user. <laughs> but what kind of porn were they watching? I don't know, just like generic. Generic, but not Satan-centric. No, not particularly, I don't think. Okay. And um, the top floor was nicknamed the Pink Room. Mm. And it had mattresses with lovely... Pink linens, what? One in the stink. <laughs> Two, thank you, yep. <laughs> um, the tone has been so lowered. Like, well, no, we're never allow Charles and Joseph to raise the tone because in the pink room, that is where they would entertain their guests. Oh yeah. Yes, 
it was accessible by a very weird, creepy 40-foot ladder. So that's hard to get back down out of. But I don't think that was in their minds. It's not consent-centric. <laughs> no, no. Charles and Joseph are just divine. Like okay. the picture of middle age happiness. They're in the garden all day. They're running the dogs in the fields. I'm not buying this. Okay, anyway, they did meet a local prick called <laughs> Kenneth. <laughs> Fucking Kenneth. And they were very friendly to Kenneth. He was hunting on their land and they gave him like permission to do so, which, you know, rural folk will know. Not me. <laughs> Not a clue. Um, so anyway, then they were like, oh, do you want to come back for a drink? And they gave him like, they had wine. You know, they were like, do you want some LSD? We have 11,964 <laughs> doses. And it was great. Now, we're not totally sure if they had any pink room action. With Kenneth. Yeah, we're okay. not totally sure. Um, Sorry, I'm so innocent. So I was, when you said entertain their guests in the pink room, I was like, oh, like with Rosé? I'm like. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I was canapes. picturing chocolates and watching like wings of a dove. No, I was like you planning know? my menu in my head. Oh yeah, nice. Um, what happened to Kenneth? Oh yeah, so Kenneth went back. Basically, Kenneth was like, okay, um, these guys are really wealthy because they have this weird tiny castle and all the drugs <laughs> and that strange room with the rickety ladder up to it and the couple of dogs. Uh-huh. And he was like, he got a new roommate around this time, um, another noted prick. Um, <laughs> Brock was his name, name of a prick. Um, I was listening to a really good podcast lately and it was one of the hosts was like, imagine you're a woman and like you had a baby and you just knew like he was just going to be such a dick man, dick man. And you were like, oh my God, how am I going to warn the other women? And you call him Cody. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. And I feel like Brock is in that, is in that as well. It's in the same. Okay, the same so umbrella. anyway, um, your man... Um, Brock. Oh my God, wait. The guy's name was Sam. <laughs> what? Same, same thing. So anyway, Kenneth had moved Brock. in with Sam. Brock. What a prick. No, Brock we're going like to have to call him Brock for the rest of this. Are we all, in, are we anyway. all gay men? No, so Kenneth, what so Joseph and Charles are a gay couple. By. And then Kenneth, ambiguous. And then, like, as in, we don't know if he, in their first encounters, like, kind of did have some sexy time. I'm not sure. And then this other guy, Sam, is absolutely not gay to the extent that he is a complete homophobe. And uh, so maybe possibly gay, but unable Secret. to reconcile. Um, he told, so basically this guy, Kenneth, told Sam about the, quote, queer devil worshippers who were, he believed, hoarding a fortune in their tiny handmade castle. <laughs> so he decided we're going to rob... Well, no, actually, initially, Kenneth was like, we're going to go up there and I'm going to get a stick. And then Sam was like, oh, we could just rob them. And Kenneth was like, yeah, okay. Okay. Let's rob Okay. Let's rob. So then they went out on the night of December 12th 1982, to rob them. But on the way, random, they just picked up this little cousin of one of theirs called Joey and his little girlfriend, Teresa, and they were on their first date. <laughs> it's so random, but they wound up in the car and they all went out to the house. And as they were heading out there, they were huffing 
a Moorish combination of alcohol, paint thinner, and glue, known as Toodaloo, which I presume is like bye bye. bye. So anyway, they arrived at the house. I never mentioned, actually, that Joey and Charles had opted to call the house Corpsewood Castle. Corp, nice. Mm. Subtle. Yeah, so like, anyway, Charles was like, hey, Kenneth, come on in, who's this? Sam, all right, well, we go up to the pink room, sit around drinking. They were drinking the homemade wine, all going fine. And then um, Kenneth went back down to his car saying he was going to get more toodaloo. And he was like, toodaloo. And I'd say Charles was like, toodaloo. And then... Kenneth came back up with the rifle. Right. And Charles... Still toodaloo. Toodaloo. Yes. And Charles, I think this is very Charles of him, kind of went like bang, bang at Kenneth, like jokingly. Um, But like that was the last of the jokes. So basically, then Charles was held at knife point and ordered to give up the non-existent fortune. Um, Meanwhile, then, Sam had gone into the main house. Can I just remind everyone that Joey and Teresa are just hanging out (laughs) and are like, like, I presume speeches with terror and confusion. Still Um, doesn't sound like the worst first date. Definitely. I was on a date one time with a guy and his granny died during the date. (laughs) And she got up and he ran away. And she and got up and he ran away. No, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't. He got a phone he call. He was like, his, his, he was like, I have to go. My granny just died. And uh, uh, and then everyone ever since has explained to you I'm that just that wasn't to figure true. It out. Yeah, it's been s- <laughs> 17 years and I'm still waiting for him to text me back. Oh, let it go. Oh, God. I actually saw him one time. Do you remember the, anyone remember the, I think it was a Hive episode where one of the the patrons sent in the story about watching that guy's mom die on FaceTime during their date? Yeah. Anyone who is not up on that story is like, hang on, what? (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, it was a fake. I contain the knowledge, but I will never give it away. I can be trusted. Um, I had to Google who it was. Nah, nah, they're really famous. Okay, so anyway, right, things are going badly, right? So uh, Sam has gone into the main house and shot dead Joseph. Oh. Yeah. And then, like, Charles was, like, bound and gagged, and he was brought into the main house where he saw Joseph. Oh. And he was fucking devastated, Natch. And then, basically, he said this really weird thing that were his last words, according to Joey and Teresa. He said, I asked for this. Before he was shot five times in the head. Well, that's a lot. It's unnecessary. I know. And he, yeah, and bound and gagged. Um, front row still untouched. They're like, it's I fine. I asked for this. It's fine, yes. And that's so, it. And thank you for coming to us. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the two um, lads, Sam and, uh, and Kenneth, fled. And they stuck, took um, Charles's Jeep where he, like, again, like, I do like always the attention to aesthetics. He had painted, lovingly painted, white pentacles on the doors of the Jeep. Such mm. care. Such, Such care. crafting. Yes. For the craft. All for the craft. This isn't even, this wasn't even for the gram, because there wasn't a gram, but God knows his gram would have been fucking hot. Um, anyway, they drove off, but then they were like, oh, we better get a less conspicuous getaway vehicle <laughs> than this, like pentagram emblazoned jeep of the man we killed so then they basically like drove to mississippi i think at some point like ditched joey and Teresa like out the back one hopes and um they then they got a second date 
I, well, it's something like that might really bond you. Or you'd be like really parsing the other person's reactions during the double homicide and being like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, I'd you know, watch, you'd I be holding them to really high standards. Mother, <laughs> and you'd be like, I would go on the second date, but like you didn't flinch when the man was murdered. So now I think you're a sociopath. Yeah. You'd be right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and also, you know the fortune that they were killing these guys for? They got a candelabra, right? And, you know, like a penny jar, you know, where you just put the change? Yeah, that but also like 90,000 LSD tabs. No, there's left not even behind. any mention of them stealing the drugs. Oh. That no, was it. Literally that's it. what they died for. Anyway, they um, did... Uh, they murdered another man whose um, jeep they stole when they were trying to get away. Just um, in the frenzy. In the frenzy of it, trying to get... I think they were trying to tie him to a tree. Oh, These guys, they were on the toodaloo, and they were like, oh, so hard. And then, you know, they just shot him because they were like, look, get it done. Get in his car. They then split up, but they were fucking chaos. And thank God Joey and Teresa had seen the entire thing. So she just was like, look, um, this thing happened. And um, the police were closing in on them. So Kenneth and, um, and Sam just gave themselves up. Um, but unfortunately, like basically after the whole media circus kind of then broke, like Charles and Joseph were kind of like then doubly victimized because Satanist. then it was like gay Satanists, yeah. being gay and weird and worshipping Satan, and... Goes hand in hand. Yeah, and it was like, exactly. Early um, 80s satanic panic was kicking off, and, like, that is when, like, if anyone doesn't really know about the satanic panic, it kind of started with a lot of accusations of child abuse in childcare and school facilities and stuff like that, and then it just basically, like, snowballed, as you said, like, and the kind of claims that like law enforcement were making about Satanists were like fucking extra, like genuinely madness. madness. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, like so the trial was underway. They were kind of uh, labeled as deviants and all this kind of stuff. Now, Anton LaVey did kind of like intervene on their behalf and say like that, you know, this is this treatment of the murders evidence that there are still areas in the United States where eccentrics are still attacked for holding beliefs outside of the norm. Um, anyway, it was bullshit, absolute bullshit. Um, your man Sam was like, "All I can say is they were devils and I killed them." That's how I feel about it. So fuck them. But there is one creepy thing. About six months before the murders happened. Um, Joseph woke Charles in the middle of the night saying he'd had a terrible dream and he was crying. No. And Charles was like, tell me about the dream, you know, unburden yourself. And they discussed the dream and it was really, really horrible. It really stayed with Charles, what the dream was. And so Charles, like he was a painter, uh, he painted a self-portrait of what Joseph had described in the dream. And the self-portrait is him with a gag in his mouth and five bullet holes no, in his head. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's fucking weird. You should look it up. Charles Scudder, self-portrait. You'll see it online. Will I take you out with a couple of frequently asked questions? Yeah. For, for the jolliness, the because yeah. fuck, that was a bit tough going. No, that was great. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, not it. great, but like, I mean, yeah. 
Okay. Silence. Let me see now. It was great. So great. Okay. So the churchofsatan.com is a brilliant resource. And um, I highly recommend if anyone wants further reading. Uh, and their frequently asked questions page has the tone and tenor of someone who is just all the way fucking over this. Okay. okay so Should we try and answer the questions first and you can tell us how accurate we have been. Um, okay, well, hang. Okay, let's pick some. There's like some kind of, um, you know, categories. So, do you want to hear about um, demonic possession, strange dreams, and/or diabolical destiny? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll click. No internet. Try again. No. But I'm on the internet. What do you want from me? Oh no! Register an account. Oh, oh. tell us from memory. Now. Talk amongst yourselves. How are you doing, Cass? So I've had a good time. I am feeling a little tired now. Oh, yeah. Nice Have you all enjoyed so the show right thus far? Yeah. We've had good times and we've had good times. With every reaction, there is an equal, equal and opposite <laughs> reaction. Has that, Science. Uh, has that come out yet, that episode? It's oh. out. It's out. Very good. Oh, that's the video one, of course. Don't worry, Sophs. Are you Sorry in the horrors? Um, I don't know. Don't panic. I can, I can panic. do a whole follow-up episode about the frequently asked and questions. And so you will. Wait, and okay. I'm in business. You want one? We'll give you one. Okay. Oh. <laughs> she's, oh. She's not she's in alone. business. She's got the tiny dinosaur. Okay. It's Fre bad times. It's it bad times from internet connection. Look, I'm going to just find oh, yeah. someone in the toilet hanger. later and be like, do you remember that thing I was talking about? Finding out. Thank you for coming. Thank you. you. Thank you for bringing us, uh, buying us, t buying tickets. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Cassie. Thank, Thank you, Jen. Jen. It's a great night. Everyone loves the creep dive. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.